0: Please turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John, a gospel according to John, chapter 1. John 1, 1 through 3 will be our sermon text for this morning. And before we read that together, let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear that you would help us to understand uh, what you have said in your word, help us to receive it by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Augustine, uh, before he preached on this passage, John 1, one through five, he said, um, He said, uh, lend your ears to me and your hearts to God, which I thought was a really apt description of what we are to do as we hear God's Word. So, so lend your ears to me and your hearts to God this morning. Uh, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Why speech? Why talk? It seems like a silly question, but why do we talk to one another? Why am I talking now? Uh, Why will some of you stand around for 20, 30, 40 minutes after the service chit-chatting with one another? What is the purpose of words? It's not a meaningless question because our, our text this morning says, in the beginning was the word. And if we don't know why words, we will have a hard time understanding why the word we began last week thinking about the Gospel of John and this, this book is a part of God's Word and it is the Apostle John's inspired testimony to Jesus. John was one of Jesus' closest friends in his earthly life and so this testimony is, is particularly important or at least particularly interesting as we get a glimpse into uh, John and his love for Jesus as he walked with him for three years. Uh, today we begin looking specifically at chapter 1. Uh, John 1 is the prologue to the gospel. It's John is setting up the story. He's giving us the, the backdrop and the background so that when he tells his story, we have a sense of where we are. He's situating us in history, and, and we will see even beyond history uh, in this first chapter. And the first 18 verses in particular are, are very poetic, It's not poetry, strictly speaking. Uh, Similar to Genesis 1, we might call it an an exalted prose narrative, right? Meaning there is this exalted language, and the exalted nature of the language uh, we will see fits the occasion or the content. John is giving us kind of the, the biggest possible perspective on history, and the exalted picture is matched by this exalted and yet very simple language that we find in John 1. Now, today, we're going to look particularly at the first three verses of this gospel. And here, John answers four questions about the Word. He tells us when was the Word, and where was the Word, and who is this Word, and what did He do? And to those four questions, we're actually going to add two more. Uh, The first is why? Why use this image of the Word at all? And then we're actually going to end with an additional question, which is, so what? Uh, who cares? What difference does it all make? So we'll answer six questions. Why, when, where, who, what, and so what? First, why? Again, why, why words? Uh, what, what do we do with words? We uh, communicate. We command. Sometimes cajole or coerce. We also comfort and woo, and soothe. We inform and teach. Uh, We marry. I now pronounce you man and wife, and we release. I find the defendant not guilty. Our words are powerful because by our words, we take what is within and bring it outward, our thoughts, our desires, our hearts. And by our words, we we shape the world around us, sometimes in subtle ways uh, through influence and sometimes in not-so-subtle ways by things like declarations of marriage or declarations of war. Words reflect the heart. Uh, They they take what is within and bring it outward. Psalm 27 uh, says, as in water, face reflects face, Proverbs 27, sorry, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. And we could say the same thing about our words, that our words reflect ourselves. And we can say that because of what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, where he says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. And So if the heart reflects the person and our words flow out of our hearts, then our words reflect ourselves. By words, we take what is within and bring it outward so that we can be known, so that what is hidden can be revealed, our hearts, our desires, our thoughts. Words are never merely words, of course. Uh, We frequently uh, say around our house, no one is ever just saying. Uh, You know, maybe you've heard somebody preface something with, I'm just saying, but, and, and whatever they're about to say, you know, they're not just saying, People are always saying for a reason. Our words are meant to accomplish something. Words are powerful tools for communication and for action. We communicate ourselves and accomplish our purposes through our words. And God's words do the same. When God wanted to make himself known, his word came to his prophet. Frequently in the prophets we hear this phrase, the word of the Lord came to me saying... Which is a good reminder, of course, that that word uh, means more than simply a single word. It it can mean a, a message, right? The message of God came to his prophets. The word of the Lord came to me saying. God communicates himself through his word, his message, through his words. He invites us to know himself through his words. And he accomplishes his plans through words, right? His plan of creation, Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. His plan of salvation, Psalm 107. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. In fact, whenever God's word goes out, it fulfills his purposes. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God accomplishes his plans. He brings about his purposes through his word. But John, in John 1, 1, does not say, in the beginning were the words. He says, in the beginning was the word. And, and here we have to jump ahead just for a second in John 1. When John uses the phrase, the word, he is talking about a person. John chapter 1, verse 14, he will say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word incarnate, that is, in the flesh. And so the Word is Jesus pre-incarnate, that is, Jesus before He was in the flesh. Why use this phrase, though, the Word, to refer to Jesus? Because as John will go on to show, Jesus is the means by which God both communicates himself and accomplishes his purposes. Through Jesus, we will see God reveals himself, and through Jesus, God created and saves. So Jesus is the word of God. He's the means by which God brings himself out into the world, revealing himself and accomplishing his purposes. So first, why, right? why? Why use this image of words? Words are powerful means of, of self-expression through both revelation and action. They're the means by which God reveals himself and acts in the, world, in the world. Jesus is the word of God, the powerful means by which God makes himself known and accomplishes his purposes. The second, when. John answers this question, when. Uh, this is really John's first statement, isn't it? In 1.1, in the beginning was the word. Anyone who hears this statement who has read the book of Genesis inevitably hears the echo of the Bible's first words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But notice what John doesn't say here. He doesn't say, in the beginning, God created the word. It's not what he says. He could have said that, but that's not what he says. He said, in the beginning was the word. Meaning there was no time when the word was not God did not create the Word. He, the Word, is uncreated. He was in the beginning. He was already. He was already there. He already existed. In the beginning was the Word. Now, let let me remind you of the implications of what John is saying, right? This Jesus whom John saw and heard and touched, this Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead, this Jesus who is the Word in the flesh, This Jesus was in the beginning. This Jesus is therefore eternal. This is John's backdrop to his story. What he's saying is the man I'm about to tell you about is no mere man. He was from the beginning. So first, why use this imagery? Because Jesus is the word, the, the powerful means by which God makes himself known and accomplishes his purposes a second, when is the word? In the beginning, right? From forever. Third, where? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now, what does it mean to be with someone? Uh, yeah, I was with my friends. It, it speaks to location right? Uh, But it normally implies something more than mere location. To be with someone normally implies some kind of relationship, sometimes even more than that. Uh, John is now with Maria, means they are dating. There is intimacy. They are connected in some way. The word was with God. Speaks to location, but it says more than that. Uh, One uh, great New Testament scholar, D.A. Carson, says the the particular Greek preposition used here, translated with, most often means something specific. It means, he says, uh, it it means with only when a person is with a person, usually in some fairly intimate relationship. And so uh, Carson goes on to mention a few verses, Mark 6, 3 where we read, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? Or Mark 14, day after day, I was with you in the temple, teaching, and you did not seize me. Or 2 Corinthians 5:8, We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Or Philemon, verse 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Right? There's, a, there's a closeness and familiarity implied in these passages as one person is with another. And so Carson concludes uh, that, that John may already be pointing out rather subtly, he says, that the word he is talking about is a person with God and therefore distinguishable from God and enjoying a personal relationship with him. So the word being with God implies two persons present with one another in some kind of intimate or at least familiar relationship. Okay. So so first why? Why use this language of the word because Jesus is the word of God, the powerful means by which God makes himself known and accomplishes his purposes. Second, when? In the beginning, from forever. Third, where? Personally present with God. A fourth, who? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this is one of those questions that is so at the heart of Christianity that to get this wrong is to fail to be a Christian. And yet John deals with it simply and succinctly. Was Jesus merely a man? Was he merely a a human being? Was he just a good teacher? Was he an an angel or or even a divine yet created being? There are lots of people who believe that Jesus was a nice guy or even a great moral teacher, but they refuse to take the next step. John does not leave us that option. He says the Word was God. Now, some think that these words should be translated a-God, sort of a lowercase g, uh, that Jesus is not the God, but a God. But again, uh, the New Testament scholar D.A. Carson says quite the opposite. Indeed, he says, the effect of ordering the words this way, meaning placing in in Greek God first in the sentence, the 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 effect of ordering the words this way is to emphasize God, as if John were saying, and the word was God, exclamation point. You know, C.S. Lewis used to say that Jesus can only be one of three things. Either he is a liar who claimed to be God but was not, or he was a lunatic who thought he was God but was not, or he was the living Lord, God in the flesh. In other words, you either must reject Jesus as deceitful or deranged, or you must worship him as divine, God in the flesh. Those are the only options that John leaves on the table. As one of Jesus' inner circle who walked with him for three years, John says, Jesus is the word and the word is God. Now verse 2 of our text simply wraps this up, doesn't it? He says, It says, he, this word who was with God, was in the, who, who was God, was in the beginning with God. Notice here there's uh, sometimes a, a bit of a philosophical conundrum, right? The, the word was with God and the word was God. How is that possible? What does that mean? This is one of those most basic Christian mysteries, isn't it? The doctrine of the Trinity. That God is one God in three persons, one substance, three persons, which means God does not fit into our this world experience. God is holy in that he is different from anything we know. And this is one of those ways that God is three in one, that Jesus can be with his Father, who is God, and be God at the same time. Now, again, this is so important because John is about to tell a story about a very human Jesus, a Jesus who gets thirsty, who has family trouble, uh, and, and who weeps at his friend's graveside. As we are uh, studying in small group, Jesus is gentle and lowly, there is a humility to Jesus. John wants us to know that this humble, gentle, and lowly Jesus is actually God in the flesh. To get a glimpse of Jesus' heart is to get a glimpse of the very heart of God. So why use this imagery of the word? Because Jesus is the powerful means by which God makes himself known and accomplishes his purposes. Second, when is the word in the beginning from forever? Third, where? Uh, personally present with God. Fourth, who? He is no mere man, but is God himself come in the flesh. Well, fifth, what? what? What did this word do? Now, verse 3, in some ways, goes along with what follows, but it's important to mention here. Uh, in, in John 1, 3, it says, uh, "...all things were made through him." And without him was not anything made that was made. Now, John has already echoed Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here he echoes it again, doesn't he? This word, who was in the beginning, all things were made through him. And don't see this little word, through, as somehow diminishing Jesus' role in creation. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 Paul says to God's people so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God Being an heir through God means God is the one who brought this about All things being created through the word means the word is the one who brought this about Now there are plenty of other passages in the New Testament which say the same thing 1 Corinthians 8:6 Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Colossians 1.16, for by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things, Paul says, were created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. Jesus. And Hebrews 1, 2 says, In these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. You know, there, there have been popular ideas at various times in history, either that the world always existed and had no beginning whatsoever, or that it was created by, by an evil spiritual being, and that, that, that there are good spiritual beings have come to save us from the bad spiritual beings. But John 1, 3 rejects both of these ideas, doesn't it? All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things, God accepted, of course, had a beginning point. We come to that conclusion not from any philosophical speculation or philosophical syllogism, but because Scripture says so. The word was from the beginning. But all things were made through him. They had a beginning. There was a time when this world was not, and and at that time, if I can even say that, because time too was created, at that time, God made all things through the Word, which means this world is not the evil creation of an evil being, but the good creation of a good being. This world, every part of it as created is good. Toenails and bumblebees, rainbows and filet mignon and sex, all these things are good gifts of the creator. All these things were made through the word and made good. As Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, speaking of taboo foods and marriage, he says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected. if It is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Of course, John will go on to say, not only did God create the world through Jesus, but he saves the world through Jesus as well. Jesus has come to accomplish the Father's work, to save us from our sins by dying on the cross in our place. And John's point here is that it is the creator God who came to save So why use the imagery of the word? Because Jesus is the means by which God makes himself known and accomplishes his purposes. When is the word in the beginning from forever? Where where is the word personally present with the Father? Who is the word God? He is God from the start. Fifth, what did this word do? He created all things. And that brings us to question number six. So what? So what? In this text, we Contemplate the significance of all that is to be said in the rest of the Gospel of John about Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. This gives us the backdrop for understanding who Jesus is. He is the eternal one. He had a life before he was born. He has no beginning and no limit to his power. He is God in human flesh. And John is saying this story we are about to read again is not about any mere man, it is about the Word who was in the beginning. John is not so much telling us something when he, when he re- references creation, he's not so much telling us something about creation, but telling us that creation is the backdrop by which we must understand Jesus. Jesus is the creator God. And John is not so much fleshing out Genesis 1-1, but he's, he's giving us something behind Genesis 1-1, something bigger. In the beginning was the word. Before creation, before let there be, there was The word. This is who I'm talking about, John is saying. This is who we are looking at, marvel and worship and ponder. The incarnate Christ is the eternal word. But there's more. How, How do we know God? I mean, he is seemingly unknowable. He's incomprehensible, we can't wrap our minds around him. He's invisible, we can't see him. He's intangible, we can't touch him. He's a, he's a spirit, he doesn't have a body like us. Jesus himself says in John five thirty seven, his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. So how do we know someone whom you cannot see, hear, touch, much less comprehend? Now, of course, if you think about it, the most important things about each of us are also incomprehensible and invisible and intangible. Our hearts, our souls. So how do we know one another? Through our words. Jesus came to make God known. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Or John 14, 9, Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We cannot see or hear or touch the Father, but we see, hear, and touch Jesus. To see and hear and touch Jesus is to know the Father. This is why John begins his first letter like this, because most of us in this room, we've never seen or heard or touched Jesus So John begins his first letter, not his gospel, but his first letter like this. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Of course, where does John's gospel end? It ends with Thomas declaring of Jesus in John 20, 28, My Lord and my God. Jesus came to make God known, because Jesus is God, the Word of God in the flesh. The call of John's gospel, then, is the call of this passage is is to believe in the glory of God seen in the person of Jesus. So this brings us us to a question, right? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus in all of his glory? Do you know him as the God-man? Do you know him as the one who reveals the Father? Do you know him as the one who created the world? Do you know him as the Savior of the world, the one who came to accomplish the work the Father sent him to do? Do you know him as the one who died on the cross for sins and rose from the dead? Do you want to know God? Get to know this Jesus. Read your Bibles to know this Jesus. Keep coming back week after week as we go through the Gospel of John to hear about this Jesus. Study Jesus with other people who want to know him. Draw near to him in prayer. And make it your life's goal to know the Father through Jesus, and you will know glory and joy, and you will find life eternal in him. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would bring us to know Jesus, that you would give us a clear sight of Jesus. We thank you for John, that even though we could not be there to see and hear and touch Jesus, he was and he wrote about it for us and for our benefit We pray that you would help us to see Jesus in the scriptures, to see Jesus in the Gospel of John, to see him as the God-man in all of his glory, and help us to see and to marvel and to worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.